You a cartoonist? A man's got to do something for a living these days. Drawing funny ain't much of a living, boy. Welcome to Drawing Funny, where we talk tunes with some sketchy characters in the comic industry and fandom. I'm your host, Lynn Workman. On this episode of the Drawing Funny podcast, we're going to be doing a Flashback Friday. This time, just like the Nikki episode, we're going to be flashing back to the 2018 Memphis Comic Expo, also known as DonnyCon. There I got to talk to my old friend Greg Cravens at his caricature booth. There were a couple of edits just because, you know, he had to stop and do business. Greg had just started working on the Stone Ninja comic and was there to promote it and do caricatures. Uh, he's one of the best caricature artists I know. I first met Greg back in the early 80s, but we didn't actually become friends till later on in the mid to late 80s. Uh, I guess around 86 uh, when I first started working and airbrushing at the Southland Mall. And as you'll hear, he was working across the street at the Southbrook Mall. But we had actually run into each other several times previous to that and just didn't really realize it. Uh, the first time I met him was at a Mid-South Fair. I was there with my family and my mom saw Greg and said, hey, why don't you go over and talk to that guy about airbrushing? I was like, really, Mom? Uh, I don't know. And that's because he had this whole Charles Manson look going on. Greg was a little scary looking back then. Yeah, a bit on the helter-skelter side. But he couldn't have been nicer. I walked up and talked to him for several minutes about airbrushing and uh, really appreciated the advice. And, you know, a couple years later, I ran into him at a wedding. One of his college roommates was actually marrying the girl I took to my junior prom. Uh, he and Bob Kimball were both at the wedding at that time. And then later, we again met through uh, airbrushing at the malls. And we ended up working together uh, at Talking Tops, uh, which was the, uh, the t-shirt shop I was working at. Uh, they had a location in Southland Mall and Mall of Memphis, and then they opened up a spring printing location uh, off uh, Knight Arnold uh, that was called uh, Adware Graphics. And Greg went to work there, as well as a few other folks that had been in the association, or still are. It was actually the first place I ever learned how to screen print. And that's where Greg started doing some of his freelance cartooning. And we'll talk about that on an upcoming episode. I'll do a member spotlight just on Greg. But for now, here's me and Greg at DonnyCon. All right, I'm at the Memphis Comic Expo with legendary comic artist Greg Cravens. To whom uh, am I a legend? Uh, I want to know who this is. Your own mind, I believe. Oh, good. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. We're, I'm on we're your not going there because that's a scary place. Yes. But anyway, you're, you're sitting here with your uh, caricature stand, yep. and uh, you started doing caricatures back in the old Opryland days, didn't you? Uh, even prior to that, yeah, All back right. when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and uh, for for 
All your, all your characters just had really short arms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every, all the dinosaurs feared the T-Rex. Um, yeah, let's see, 1979 was the first time I ever got paid to do caricatures. Wow. Uh, and, of course, before that, it was middle school and drawing teachers. Oh, yeah. And uh, technically, I was being paid because I was getting better grades because one teacher was pitting me in against another teacher saying, <laughs> all right, you know what Mr. Bell looks like? Draw Mr. Bell in a dress riding a goat down the gravel hill. And, you know, hi there. Like with, you know, and then the following year, I'd be in the other teacher's civics class and go, okay, draw Mr. Brown, and, and he, needs, he needs to be uh, beating up an elephant with a stick. Uh, you know, and make and these are based on true stories, too, which was really bizarre. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's no telling what those guys were thinking. But, you know, and they were trying to shield my, my tiny little psyche from whatever horrors they were actually perpetrating. <laughs> so how did you get into uh, doing, doing it professionally at uh, Opryland? Or Shopryland, as we call Shopryland, it now. Shopryland, yeah, because it no longer exists. For everybody under 25, uh, where Opry Mills Shopping Mall is now, used to be an entire theme park with many, many roller coasters that you wish that you could go and play in. But they don't have them anymore, so you can't. Ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah, let's see. So, uh, yeah, middle school teachers. Uh, my art teacher at the time, I was lucky enough to go to a middle school that had an art class, an art teacher, and not just a traveling person, but you know, she was there all the time. Right. Uh, she said, by the way, I know the woman who owns the... Uh, the caricature concession at Opryland, she'd been setting me up for art festivals and, and fall art things and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the little fair stuff in Jackson. And she said, if you've got the ability to go to Nashville and work over the summer, you should do it. Here's the woman's number. And my parents were, were understanding enough to say, okay, let's drive you to Nashville. That's a two and a half hour drive. We'll go in and meet these people and see if you can get the job. Well, I got the job. Awesome. And then they said, okay, you're going to live with your cousins. Act right. Don't burn anything down. You know, be a good person. So I spent two summers when I was 16 and 17. Uh, and because I had birthdays in the middle of summer, 18. Um, doing caricatures at a theme park, mm -hmm. which is fantastic for somebody who thinks that they are uh, uh, shy or uh, you know unable to just talk to random strangers because when the, boss, yeah, when the <laughs> boss comes around and says, get up out of your chair, stop doodling because that paper costs money, get some, get some customers into the chair, what are you doing? When you're 16, you buy it. You go, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Because you're getting paid. They're good. Do you guys like to get a caricature? I'm thinking about it. Okay. Well, it's whenever you're ready, say so, and we'll yeah, cut we'll, this we'll off. Pause. And, yeah. And we'll put you in the chair. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Greg's actually drawing a sketch cover right now. Your first sketch ever, huh? This, I don't remember ever doing a sketch cover before because I, I picked it up. I thought, well, what if I screw something up? I'm going to feel guilty, and I'm going to have to buy this blank comic book cover from somebody. Mm -hmm. But I haven't. I haven't catastrophically ruined it yet. All right. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, theme park, good deal. You know, you learn how to be a little business person. And right. You go, okay, the, the paper costs money. I've got to buy my own pens. You know, I've got to earn X number of money, otherwise 
you know, I can't afford my part of the utility bill, which is all they're actually asking me to pay at my cousin's house. You know, that you learn and you go, okay, I make more money if I talk to everybody and get them in a chair. I make less money if I don't. Right. You're suddenly you're a business person. You're in charge of your own life, mm -hmm. and that makes a huge difference. Well, you actually you worked with uh, Bob Kimball, a yep. friend of ours, yep. you know, for forever, who's actually a bass player in Phoenix Rising up in Nashville, and he's also a, a, an amazing, amazing graphic artist and, and typographer and, and, and sculptor and, sculptor and painter, and just yeah. all around creative dude. So you also worked with James Tucker. I did. Uh, the the truly famous James Tucker, who does all the cool Batman animation for Warner Brothers. And I was lucky enough to work with him, and then uh, early on, uh, we had uh, we were uh, uh, another friend and I were doing a comic series for Caliber Press mm -hmm. called Fugitive. Right. Yeah. Which were you know it was you and Charles Marshall, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that series, there was a futuristic detective chasing a futuristic uh, serial killer through old television shows. So James Tucker, also being a fantastic caricaturist uh, and, and not yet famous for doing Batman, we called him and said, hey, do you want in on this comic book stuff we're doing? Mm -hmm. And uh, he and I did Hogan's Heroes and Gilligan's Island and all these neat TV show parodies with comic book characters chasing their way through them and murdering people along the way. There may be a lot of folks out there that actually have that, that the fugitive story because it was in Caliber Presents, correct? Right. Which is also known for where, some where obscure the crow comic started the crow. Up. Yeah, yeah, it started up there. Yeah. And uh, Caliber used to send contributor copies of everything they did every month to all the contributors. So I've got a whole bunch of old crow comics mm -hmm. that were never bagged up and boarded and treated the way they should have been treated. But it's fun to go drag them back out and go, look what I got. Yeah. I got all the old crow original printing, you know, yeah. never seen before. But you and I worked at the uh, the Mid South Fair airbrushing together one year, and that's how I first met you. Was at a at a previous oh that's right fair. Uh, you were airbrushing there. How did how did you get into airbrushing? Um, that seemed like a really good way to make money when I was in high school. Everybody was talking about, well, do you airbrush on the T-shirts? Because if anybody knew that you drew anything, airbrush T-shirts were the hot item. Yeah, custom T-shirts, man. Yeah. Uh, you know that was that was a big deal. So I saved up my pennies from whatever else I was doing and bought a, uh, an X-Acto airbrush, <laughs> which broke within hours. <laughs> and I shipped it back and said, hey, this broke. I don't think it was my fault. And they shipped me another one, yeah. which broke within hours. <laughs> and the local uh, art supply place, which was not a chain back then. Uh, I like art supply stores that are not chains, even though they're more expensive. I had Badger airbrush equipment, bought one of those, didn't break it. Mm -hmm. and kept it long enough to actually learn how to paint after damaging parts of it. And, you know, it was my learner uh, airbrush. And then met up with everybody else in Memphis who was using Pache instead of Badger. Yep, that's what I got. I, got. I started off with a, a Binks Wren single action. Oh, yeah. and uh, Which is good for painting models. Models and, like, fishing lures and other kind of stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And uh, I had or leather. 
I went up to uh, A.G. Howard at the, uh, the Southland Mall, because you were working South Brook at the time, and yep. A.G. was working Southland. Yep. And I went up and I said, you know, A.G. is a lot taller than I am, and he was able to grow a full beard back then. He I was wasn't. able to grow a full beard when he was eight. Yeah. You could, he could shave it one day, and you could watch him grow it back the next. And he had a 5 o'clock shadow at like 8 a.m., you know. <laughs> But I remember going up to him and saying, "Excuse me, sir, yeah. could you could you uh, tell me some stuff about airbrushing?" And he goes, "Well, let me tell you, son." And you know, and I'm I'm actually older than AG. I found out. But, oh yeah, you know, I think we all are. <laughs> well, you look younger than everybody else, yeah. and it's not fair. Uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's catching up you. with me. Yeah, but sure it is. He uh, he he said he found out that I was using a single action brush, and he goes, "Well, this is what you need." And he showed me the Pache, you know, the VL3, the double yep. action brush. Yep. And that's what I've been using ever since. Industry standard, man. It really was. It was a workhorse for doing the bubble of sissy hearts. Yep. You, know, you had yep. to do those in the beach scenes and all that. Yep. Well, let's, let's fast forward a little bit because I want to have you on the show and we'll do a complete interview with you. And when we're not sitting in the middle of a convention. Our middle of a convention sounds like a fine place. Cool. Maybe Everybody we'll, can hear background maybe we'll, noises. We'll do it like at, at one of our dinner meetings or something there's, like there's that. Com- that could be fun cartooning commerce going on yeah, there is, right, right people are actually spending money on comics it's an amazing thing to watch it's it's a lovely thing yeah. lovely but fast forward a few years ahead and and you're now a professional cartoonist doing syndicated comics and you fast forwarded over a whole bunch of stuff but yeah okay well that's <laughs> that, you know that's, that's another episode we could do a whole episode just on on your well how, how break how early break-in cartoonists make a living that's right. you know that needs to be three or four episodes. Oh yeah, we can do a whole series on that. But you're you're currently working on the buckets. Yes. And your hubris webcomic. That's right. Yeah. So you're also now one of is it a board member of the NCS? I am. I am the membership chair of the National Cartoonist Society. And if you are a cartoonist of any caliber at all, and you make your bulk of the bulk of your living from cartooning of some form or another, and have done so for uh, at least three years, you are more than eligible to apply for membership in the National Cartoonist Society, which started just after World War II, because mm-hmm. the USO had gathered up a bunch of cartoonists who were, at, the point, at that point, major media figures, mm-hmm. because you didn't have a lot of people with televisions. You didn't have a lot of people. Right. I mean, not everybody even had a radio. Right. You know, you could go hear radio, mm-hmm. but the newspaper was it. If you wanted visual entertainment, you went to the comics page of your newspaper. So they shipped these guys overseas, and they went and did caricatures for the, you know, for our boys in the Army and the Navy and you know, all that stuff. And uh, so those guys came back and said, we ought, to, we ought to keep doing stuff. We ought to keep hanging around together. And it became, eventually, uh, the New York Cartoonists Society, which... Uh, couldn't stay the New York Cartoonist Society because they were all Richard and Croesus at that point mm-hmm. for being major media stars and moving to Connecticut and having the uh, the New York and Connecticut Cartoonist Society sounds stupid. Very so long, became, lots yeah, of letters. They became the National Cartoonist Society in 1950-something. To be exact. Yeah, yeah. That's very exact. You'd have to go to www.rubin.org mm-hmm. to find out for sure. If people have heard uh, of the Rubens before, that's that's same same name. named after... Rube Goldberg, which you can now buy a, a board game, and it's not really a board. It's it's more like the old mousetrap game. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's there's uh, you know build your own game 
sort of a thing, and it's Rube Goldberg. His, his name is back out in the, in the public again. Well, I know that there's uh, some cartoonists. I know like, we've seen uh, like uh, Bruce Higgins and uh, Mike Ramirez are still doing the USO type stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We're going to cut here, and Greg, where can people find you online? Uh, at www.cravenscartoonist.com. Or, wait a minute, we got oh, more. We got more. Uh, uh, www, everywhere. Yeah, uh, hubriscomics.com or gocomics.com slash the buckets. Cool, man. Like I said, we'll have you on for future episodes. Yes, yes. Later. Thank you, sir. Always great to sit down and talk with Greg Cravens or Cowboy Cravens, as I like to call him. And anytime I have, you know, I get kind of a stuck and uh, can't figure out how to draw a cartoon, I always go, "What would Cravens do?" And that usually helps. It ends up looking nothing like what Greg would draw, but yeah, gets me headed in the right direction and gets me out of the rut. I'm working on getting a few interviews with some more folks uh, in the Cartoonist Association, as well as outside of our little local group. Uh, but most of those are going to have to happen you know, either after Thanksgiving or after uh, Christmas. So stay tuned, and I'll bring those to you as soon as I can. I'll probably be doing a couple more of these flashback episodes, because I've got uh, a couple more of the interviews that I did uh, back when I was with the Rogues Radio podcast that I can... Uh, I'd, I'd like to share with you here. Coming up, we've got our MSCA Zoom meeting call, which will be on December 1st at uh, 7 o'clock. I'll be recording that and then turning it into a podcast episode. And Nikki and I, I uh, believe I've mentioned this before in a previous episode, but uh, we will be on the Supergirl Radio podcast that night live. I believe they're doing a, a Facebook streaming and a, a YouTube channel. But uh, Nikki and I will be there uh, for about 30 minutes. They're giving us a guest host segment, and we'll be talking about Super Pets and the DC Universe. Hoping to do some more episodes with Nikki. I uh, always like talking tunes with my wife. She's going to be on hiatus from college for a little bit. Going to be trying to work in some of those episodes over the holidays since... Nikki and I won't be doing any traveling or going to visit family here uh, over, you know, for Thanksgiving or Christmas. We'll both be staying in, uh, so we'll have plenty of time on our hands in the fangirl room in the Batcave. Like I said, I do have some more folks lined up uh, to interview, and I'm really excited about one of these guys. You're, uh, I think you're really going to like it. He was one of those guys that I was really intimidated to go up and talk to at first, but five minutes after you start talking to him, you feel like you've known him forever. So hopefully after this interview, you'll feel like you know him too. Again, that'll be coming up after Thanksgiving, uh, maybe closer to Christmas. If you're an MSCA member or a local comics creator, please shoot me an email and let's set up a time to talk tunes. I promise, it's very painless. The painful part is the editing. 
Trust me. Oh, wanted to let you know, too, that the MSCA zine issue number four, which is Magic, uh, with the Jim Palmer cover, it is now, by the time you listen to this episode, uh, it should be in all the comic shops here in town, Comics and Collectibles, The Cellar, and 901 Comics. And so they should have issues one, two, three, and four now in stock, and you can purchase those there. And if you go by the cellar out in Bartlett, off of uh, Bartlett Boulevard near Stage Road, they've got some free swag for you. I've got some uh, Drawing Funny stickers and magnets, and I've got some Mid-South Cartoonist Association buttons and pins and stickers, and there's even some uh, Memphis Ghostbusters stickers. So saddle up and mosey on over to the cellar. Pick you up some of that swag. Tell them Lynn sent you. podcast. You can find out more about the Mid-South Cartoonists Association at midsouthcartoonists.org and on the MSCA Facebook page. Be sure to like that page and follow our group on Twitter at MSCA underscore Memphis and on Instagram at Mid-South Cartoonists. You can keep up with this show at any of those or on the show site drawingfunny.com as well as on Twitter at drawingfunny1 Drawing Funny with the number one, or Instagram at Drawing Funny Pod. Links and other info can be found in the show notes of each episode at drawingfunny.com. Shameless plug for me, I have my Lynn Workman, that's L I N Workman.com art site, and my geek travel blog and webcomic, HaveGeekWillTravel.com. My social media info and bio are on all those sites, along with several examples of my artwork. Thanks for listening. I hope to talk tunes with you all again real soon. Until then, stay tuned and keep drawing funny.